Hi, this is Joey Brandon, and welcome to another edition of the Axiom Podcast. Good to be back, and we're recording another edition of the Axiom Podcast today. Today's a topic that is really applicable to almost anybody, and we talk about what Axiom does on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis with our clients. We're, you know, we make our our living doing strategic planning for small businesses, and the the way that we kind of set ourselves apart is we don't just do the plan we come back and we help with execution week after week after week after week after week and so far we've never had a client disengage from that activity so once once people start planning with us and move into execution they tend to keep us around for a long time and during those uh those those long long you know in some cases years and years and years of working with clients one topic comes up over and over and over and over and over again, and we've talked about it already on the podcast, and I'll, I'll reference the episode in the show notes. It was one of the earlier episodes that we did, but we did a couple of episodes on, on time management and then time and task management for teams, and it's top of mind right now because we've had, again, another client ask us to come in and basically do a workshop for them, which we've done before to talk to various members of the team, including the owners, about time management. Because when you get to execution, sooner or later, you run up against this issue of, I don't feel like I'm managing my time well, or my team doesn't manage their time well. And I'll give our business owners a lot of credit. They very rarely just pass the buck to the team members. They usually recognize that they are the ones who are kind of leading the deficiency in the organization and, and and setting the example of what poor time management looks like, and they're like, we I need help. First of all, I need help, and then if you could also help the members of our team while you're helping me, that would be great. And it it's worked out really really well. I don't know if I would have approached it this way years and years ago when we first started getting these kind of questions, but now it, if we get a leader who says I need help with time management, and they don't have an intention to bring the rest of their team into the same uh, training, then we'll strongly suggest that they do that because it's, you know, we, we often find that the business owner is the, the reason that people are not being effective. And that's where the title of this podcast came from. You know, if you're usually the one, if you're the business owner, you're the one that's keeping everybody from being productive. You know, you may have some tremendously productive people with some really good ideas or some really good systems or really good discipline of managing their time. And you can torpedo that sometimes without even realizing it. And I had a business owner approach me the other day, and and they said, you know, one of the things I'm realizing is that if I treated – if I were treated the way that I treat my employees in terms of just barging into their office and asking for things, I'd never get anything done. And that's where the the team aspect of this comes in. And if we can get all the team members in the room with the business owner and we can train them all on, on how to manage their time, then everybody starts to share a common language and a common understanding of what we're trying to accomplish and what the rules are around time management. And 
the people who really benefit the most, it's not the business owner. Because if the business owner decided to make a change today, they could make that change. And it would be done, and it would be over, and the, and they could make the change and continue, and you know, be productive tomorrow as a result of the change that they decided to make. But if an employee comes in, or a team member comes in underneath a manager, and they realize that there's something they need to change about their time management focus, or their roles, or or how they allocate their time, and and they're super motivated to do that, and then the, their manager or the business owner comes in, and and it totally steps all over the system or the process or the boundaries that they've tried to set, and those are all the things that we're going to talk about today, then it doesn't matter that they, that they had the idea or they had the discipline or they're better at time management because the business owner and the manager trumps all of that, and they can, they can completely torpedo the system. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and, and I'm more today I'm specifically addressing the business owners if you're listening to this and you're not a business owner, maybe this is something you can forward. You know, send an email and say, hey, here's a link to a podcast that I really think you should listen to. Because your ability to, to make a change in the business is going to be limited if, you're, if your manager doesn't subscribe to these same beliefs. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'd say one of the biggest things that you have to get across to business owners, to to um, managers all the way down to line employees is that effectiveness really does require boundaries around your time. And what I mean by boundaries is I mean that there are certain elements of your time. There are certain parts of your day, uh, and they don't necessarily have to be the same every day, but if you don't have kind of sacred parts of your day, then you're not going to be effective. And that's not... That's not my opinion. That's not me, you know, thinking that uh, that I've got a better way to do. Th- that's just reality, you know. If 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 you're always at the mercy of whatever interruption wants your attention, then you're not going to be as effective as you could have been. And this goes up the scale uh, in terms of importance. The more your job requires you to be creative, to be introspective, to be retrospective. To, to manage others and requires your own initiative to decide what should come next. When you are a line worker or when you're, when you're in a clerical-type position and it's dictated what you're supposed to do each hour of the day, this is still important. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But it may not have near as an impact on your productivity and your effectiveness as it will when you've got a lot of discretion or should have a lot of discretion over what you spend your time on in a given day. So there have to be elements of the day where your time is your own to really be effective. And that uh, we, we just talked about knowledge workers. But if you think about, think about something as simple as your auto mechanic. So for a long time, I've taken my car to, to a guy, and he's got this shop. And by all appearances, it's incredibly successful. Like every time I go there, there are way more cars there than can ever get fixed, it seems like. I mean, they've just got... They've got people, you know, dropping stuff off all the time. And the last time I was there, I think he had five mechanics working for him. And so you think about these mechanics and you think, well, you know, they're just turning wrenches. They don't need a lot of, you know, you're talking about their time needs to be their own. They don't need that much time. All they need, you know, they need to, when he says, hey, go work on that white 
Ford F-150. They just need to go do it. They, there's no thinking about that. They don't need time to plan. They don't need time to do all that stuff. But here's one thing I noticed about these mechanics when I was there. There's five of them there, right? So one of the things I noticed is w- one of the guys, the guy who was about to work on my car when I was there, he was showing off this new tool that he had that he had just bought. So they're responsible for their own tools. And, he, and the tool truck guy was there, and you know he had just bought this new diagnostic computer, and he was showing it off to one of the other techs or one of the other mechanics who worked there. And it got me thinking, you know, hey, these guys have to have their own tools. Well, if all you're ever doing as the, own, the owner of that business is pointing to the next Ford F-150 or the next blue you know, Chevy Nova that's got to be fixed or the next Avalanche that has to have an air conditioning compressor replaced, which is what I was there for, then one of the things that's going to get neglected is your tools. One of the things that's going to ne- get neglected is the maintenance on the stuff that you depend on for 8, 10, 12 hours a day to make your living. And if if I'm in that guy's shoes, I need some part of the day when I can just tend to my stuff to be the best that I can be and be as mu- the most productive that I can be during the hours I'm expected to be knocking out repair after repair after repair. There has to be some part of the day where I can just stop I can take stock of what I have. I can think about whether the stuff that I have right now is really working for me, whether I need to go invest a couple hundred bucks of my own money on a new tool, whether I need to replace certain stuff, whether certain stuff needs to be maintained or repaired. All of that, if if you don't give that person some sacred time to take care of that stuff, then pretty soon tools start to miss, tools start to break, tools start to not be replaced when they're supposed to be replaced. Maybe they don't have the latest and greatest stuff and repairs are taking longer than they, they normally would because they haven't been investing back into their tool set. So, when, and it doesn't stop. You might say, okay, well, I get it because, you know, that guy, you know, he's, a, he's an auto technician. We don't call him mechanics anymore. He's an auto tech, automotive technician. And, yeah, it's, it's gotten high tech. And, okay, I can see where, you know, he might need some time to invest – uh, in his tools or, or to maintain his tools or possibly, you know, read a manual on a new diagnostic system or, or get up to speed on the latest bulletins out of whichever auto manufacturer had a re- – whatever. But, you know, come on. Tell, you tell me the guy that mows my yard, you know, he needs a sacred part of his day. Well, I mean, I think he does. And, I, and we've got a client who's a very large roofing contractor in the area, and I've done several ride-alongs with different, you know, sales guys and – inspectors that they have and supervisors that they have and you know we've rolled up to job sites before and we have seen this in action where the guys are on a break and you know when they're on a break the time is their own they're 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 basically resting up they're recharging the batteries they might be eating their lunch time to be calling calling home checking on how things are going but even at what what a lot of people would look at manual labor and go, well, they don't need sacred time. They don't need time in their schedule that's their own where their managers don't interrupt them. I guarantee you that they do. I guarantee you that the guy who has gotten a solid 20 or 30 or 40 minutes of his own time to, to take a break, to grab some lunch, to, to check in on his wife and kids, I guarantee you he's going to be more effective in the afternoon than the guy who just has worked straight through and – probably isn't in as good a frame of mind or is as motivated to get the next job done. So this applies across the spectrum, and I don't care where you're at in the organization, and I tell my business owners this. 
I don't care what kind of people you have working for you. At some point, the person who directly manages them has to give them some sacred time during their day. And for knowledge workers, we want to teach them a system to help manage that time. And we talked about that in the time and task management show. But for even, even if they don't require a system to manage their lunch break, that doesn't mean that they don't need a lunch break, right? Just because it's not complicated doesn't mean they don't still need it. So when you're talking about this type of work, if, if, you, if you don't subscribe to this view, what you're basically saying is, you know, just give me a bunch of robots. Just give me a bunch of people. And all I want, all I want, is people who will listen to what I have to say, and then they'll go do it. That's all I want. I don't want them to think about it. I don't want them to have to have a system to manage it. I don't want them to be in charge of, of any part of their own schedule. I just want to point and have them go do it. Well, I, there may have been a time during the early dawn of the industrial revolution when indentured servitude was kind of the norm in, in, in that in industrial era but that time has passed if it ever existed and you need to wrap your head around the idea that if you want to perform at the highest level whether you're a landscaper or whether you run an IT firm that programs for the Department of Defense you need to wrap your head around the idea that if you're looking for automatons or slaves to your business you're 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 you suck as a business owner that's the only way I can put it you you're not going to get very far the people who succeed, the people that I see performing at the highest levels, they respect their people, and they understand that at whatever level they're at, they still need to be masters of their own schedule at some point during the day, even if that involves a long list of manual tasks that they have to get done, and there's not a, a lot of, of intellectual investment that has to be made in deciding what comes next because it's just it's a, a routine set of tasks. There have to, you have to allow them to disengage at some point and have some boundaries around their day. And if you're the CEO, if you're the business owner, that the scope of time that you need to have a boundary around that's protected extends over many, 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 many more hours. And so from one extreme to the other, you have to recognize that this is something that we all need. So when we talk to business owners, it's very easy for them to get that concept. And so we go, you know, there, there's – we help them develop a strategic plan, say, at the beginning of a year. And then we talk about what are the priorities that we're going to be focused on for the next quarter to achieve the goals that we've set for the year. And when we talk about those priorities, you know, those are things that have to get done. It's not stuff that, that does itself. It's stuff that we're going to have to carve out some time during their schedule – to see that this stuff happens. And if we don't protect that time, we don't protect it from interruptions, we don't protect it from you know, getting scheduled over the top of or just moving off the calendar entirely or being forgotten about, then those big priorities aren't going to get done. And they go, yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense. And I'm like, okay, so if it makes sense for you, so if, if, if there are some big priorities that you have, Aren't there also some big priorities that your direct reports have? And aren't there also some big report some some big priorities that their direct reports have? So if it's good for you to have boundaries around your time to operate at the highest level and to achieve and and 
make progress on the biggest priorities of the organization, why is it not okay for everybody else to have boundaries around their time? And this is a big shift in the thinking of business owners because what you're saying is what you as a business owner, you recognize that there need to be boundaries around your time, which means there should be parts of your day that you are in complete control of, meaning nobody can come in and tell you what to do. You get to decide what you're going to do during that segment of your day. Okay, so if that's good for you, shouldn't that be good for everybody else? Yeah, 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 that's important. Okay, well, here's what that means. That means that for your direct reports, there are parts of their day where you should not be able to walk into their office and just demand anything that you want. And they stop for a second. And they go, oh, well, I don't like that idea. You know, they may not say it out loud, but internally they're thinking it. Well, I like going into the office and asking for whatever I want, whenever I want it. And there are some business owners who think that everyone should be at their beck and call. And it's very easy to spot these people for me because typically you know, we, we meet with our local clients – we do a lot of due diligence before we decide to work with somebody. And that due diligence will include on-site visits to their, their company to understand, you know, what the, for one, what the physical facility looks like, how many people work there, what's kind of the general sense, the general culture that's going on there. And the big thing that I like to see is how they interact with these people. And there's been more than a time or two when I've been out of business and, and some question comes up, some, some technical piece of information that we need or some financial report that we need, and they'll be like, oh, I can get that for you. And they'll, they'll march across the hallway or down the hallway or, or pick up the phone and be like, I need you to get this thing you know, and bring it in. You know, like, and, and it's unspoken like right now. And when it's unspoken, I know that every time they pick up the phone – Whatever happens is expected to happen right now. Whenever they walk across the hall, whatever, they, whatever they've asked for, they expect that everybody should drop everything and just do whatever they've asked for. And that's a, <laughs> that's a big, big problem because if there are 20 people that work there and they treat everybody that way, they've got a lot of overhead. Because what, what you've basically just demonstrated to me is that I have 20 part-time executive assistants. You know, what's an executive assistant? I mean, in your mind's eye, when you picture an executive assistant, like I, and I'm talking like old-school executive assistant. Old-school executive assistant is, is the man or woman who sits right outside the executive's door. And it doesn't matter what what's requested you know when when the executive sticks his or her head out the door and says i need this it's the executive's job the executive assistant's job to stop and do whatever has been requested right then right there right and you've got 20 of these people working for you that's pretty freaking expensive now i'll i'll, I'll grant you that they're part time right because you don't do this to them all the time they're part time executive assistants but the problem is they don't know the hour, the part-time hours they're supposed to work on that and the part-time hours they're supposed to work on everything else because they're always at your beck and call. And that's a very expensive way to run a company. And exp- expensive meaning ineffective. 
It means that you have decided you're not going to give these people their due in terms of credit for thinking about what should come next in their schedule, what should they spend, be spending their time on, what their priority should be on a day-to-day basis. All they should do is sit around and wait on ready for you to come in and tell them the next thing to do. Because whatever that is, they're going to have to stop everything and do it, which means whatever, whatever they thought that, that was important isn't important anymore. And you're constantly shifting their priorities. And I think a lot of business owners are, are so far removed from working for somebody else. Maybe they've never had the experience of working for somebody else who's like that. But I don't. I think a lot. I just see a lot of ignorance when it comes to business owners about what they're doing to their teams when they operate in this way. And if this is you, and I'm spending a lot of time on this, I understand that we're taking. You know, we've taken almost 30 minutes now, 20 minutes now, talking about uh, you know the types of business owners who do this stuff, and that's a, that's a long time to talk about this, but it's important because. If you're listening to this and you're a business owner and you're doing this to your team, you need to stop and think about not how much you're screwing up, but I want you to stop and think about the possibility and the potential in your team when you really turn them loose to start thinking like anything but robots because that's what you've been treating them like. You've been treating them like robots who are just waiting for your next command. And in the meantime, you expect them to be doing something productive But that's an unrealistic expectation because you're expecting them to engage in knowledge work. You're expecting them to engage in planning and execution about what they should be doing each day without ever giving them the resources in terms of time to get that done. And you have to imagine, put yourself in their shoes about how frustrating that must be. Think about if you're sitting there as the controller for the company, or let's not even say controller. Let's say you're sitting there as the head bookkeeper for the company, and you know that tomorrow you have payroll. And so you know that tomorrow is going to be kind of crazy because payroll is always kind of a crazy day. You're chasing people for timesheets. You're trying to make sure that you've got the latest tax rates for everything. You have to make sure that the payroll company is on their game in terms of getting direct deposits made when they're supposed to be, whatever. You just know that Tomorrow is going to be a big day. So today, you really need to make today count. And you, and you stop and you think for a second. Maybe even you sit down the night before and you're like, I want, to make, I want to come home tomorrow night as the head bookkeeper of this company, really feeling like I've accomplished something, like I've made a difference. And you, and you think, you know, that there was one thing that we have not really been able to do. And the, the thing that we haven't been able to do is budget administrative overhead Effectively, It's one of those projects that just kind of keeps being put to the back burner. And I, I would really like to be able to come home tomorrow saying we have an accurate administrative overhead budget for the next year. And I would like to be able to share that with the CEO of the company in our, in our weekly meeting that's coming up day after tomorrow. And, um, and that's what I'd really like to focus my time on. Now, I'm not going to be able to do it all. You know, I can't do the whole day, but I don't need the whole day. I just need like three hours. So I'm gonna, what, I'd like to do that after lunch. I'm going to use the morning to answer all the questions in my email. I'm going to get all the reports out that I need to get out. And then I'm going to come back from lunch. 
And from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock, that's what I'm going to do. And then from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock, I'll jump back into email, answer questions, check in with my team, make sure everything's cool. But I want to get that done tomorrow. And as a business, if the business owner knew that that was happening, they'd probably be like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, we have been trying to get administrative overhead figured out for a while. And I'm excited that they're going to work on it. And I'm more excited that they stopped the night before to think about what's the most important thing that they could be doing tomorrow. And that's what they selected. So as a business owner, you're excited about what you, you, what you, what you would have been hearing if, if you would have been privy to this person's thoughts. So the next day comes around, and all goes according as planned in the morning. They, the, the, this bookkeeper, you know, they, they take care of all the open questions, open items. They, they do the new employee packets that they're supposed to, to do and whatnot. And they go to lunch, and they come back from lunch, and they get about 45 minutes into – working on this administrative overhead function. And in comes the business owner, and he goes, hey, I got this consultant across the hallway. His name is Joey Brandon. He's going to be working on us on strategic planning, and he really needs you to take the, the, the take last year's financial statements and break those out by month and by classification. And we also need you to take and, uh, and highlight all the employee expense that's in there. And we're going to be meeting, you know, we'll, we'll be over there, and, and we'll be waiting for that. And you have now. You think that what this consultant has asked for is like, should be like the most important thing, right? But you've just you've screwed the pooch, right? Because now your bookkeeper is not going to be able to focus on the priority item and the stuff that the consultant is asking for. If it's really that important, they should have been asking for it before they showed up. And you should come in and ask. Number one, there should be a system for the bookkeeper communicating what their priorities are for the day and where that sacred time's at so you know not to interrupt it. But you should be – if they do not come to you, you should be asking them what their highest priorities are for the day, what they're doing to protect that time, and how they should, how you can help them do that. So that's the difference between what usually happens and what should be happening. And – I think that this this idea that some business owners think everyone should be at their beck and call is way more predominant than most people are willing to admit, most business owners are willing to admit. And I think that it also I, – I think there are a lot of business executives out there that think, well – you know, I'm I'm the chief person in charge. Like what I what I nothing matters as much as what I do every day. Okay, so, well, there's a lot of ego involved in that statement. First, so I might challenge you on on. Well, you know, is is what you're doing really that? Are you really that good? You know, it's it's more. You're the you are truly the most valuable person in the organization. Well, if you're a good leader, maybe that's true. But if you're a good leader, we're probably not talking about this subject. But I do think there are a lot of business owners who believe that this is the way things are. Like that, that this is the this is the way executives at companies function. You know, maybe that's been driven by Hollywood. Maybe that's been driven by this romanticized, uh, you know, view of the hard charging, uh, multitasking executive who charges through the office and leaves a wake of flying papers and destruction behind them but but you know they're they're always driving the company forward maybe that's where this comes from i don't know but 
I do think that there are a lot of business owners who think that, well, this is just the way it works. Like I, I am the chief firefighter here. I'm the person who everybody looks to. The buck stops with me. And that, you know, you hear that statement and usually, you know, the, the chest puffs up with a little bit of pride. And it's like the buck stops with me. If they're not going to come to me, who are they going to go to? Well, I think in those cases, what's happening is, is something very, very simple. I think the business owner is really substituting themselves for a good operations manual. Because what you're saying is at any time, if you don't know what to do, then you come get me and I'm going to put on my cape and come flying to the rescue. Where What I think should happen is if you don't know what to do, there's very little chance that whatever issue you're dealing with has never happened before, right? Now, it may have never happened before while you've been with the company, but it's happened before. And if the company had done a good job, if the boss had done a good job, the manager had done a good job of documenting what happened and how it was fixed, and, and this is something that's very simple. I mean, I'm not talking about a corporate wiki that documents every single issue the company's ever had. I'm just talking about an operations manual. That's all we're talking about. Like, here are the things that happen in this company, and here's how we handle them. Here, here are the range of customer complaints that come in, and here's how we address those. Here are the operational uh, uh, problems that often arise, and here's how we fix them. Here are the ways, here are the number of ways that the line goes down, and here's what you do to troubleshoot it. And, and it, could, it could very well be ego where the business owner wants to be the one that always has the answers. But usually it's not ego. Usually it's laziness. Usually it's the idea that, well, the line is down. And I know why the line is down. And I can go out there and I can fix why the line is down. And we'll be back up and running in 30 minutes. And I can be on to the next task. All right. And I'd like to get on to the next task. Or I could go down there and I could take the engineer with me. And because he's with me and because I'm going to have to be walking him through everything, I'm not going to be able to get the line up in 30 minutes. It's probably going to take 45 minutes. And then the engineer is going to come back to the office with me and we're going to write up the steps that were required to get the line back up and running. And that's going to take another 30 minutes. And then we'll have a document that if this happens again, somebody can go to that, that spot in the, the floor operations manual and figure out how to get the machine back up and running again. But that's going to take an extra 45 minutes out of my day. It's going to take me 50 minute, more minutes on the floor with the engineer, and it's going to take me another 30 minutes in the office with my engineer to write it up. And that's 45 minutes that I don't feel like I have today. And so I'm just going to get down there and fix it myself and get back up here and get my 45 minutes back. And that happens so many times in a company. And it's, and it's usually not something as dramatic as a line going down. It's usually something like a customer complaint. You know, and this customer's complained, and rather than me taking an extra 30 or 40 minutes sometime during the next week to document the type of complaint that we got, how I figured out what the real issue was and how I solved it, and then bring somebody in and, and show that to them so everybody knows where it's at and train them on how to respond to the next one, that never happens. It almost never happens. So 
when you see a business owner who likes to always, you know, they think that their chief role is to be running around always solving the problems because that's what executives do. Usually that company has a very cruddy operations manual if they have one at all. And and operations manual, when, understand when I say operations manual, I don't mean this glossy bound, uh, you know, slick looking thing that's got diagrams and engineering documents in it. And I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the very basic set of of checklists and the rudimentary information you need to solve the problems or to do the things in the business that have to get done on a day-to-day basis. Usually, it's a bunch of checklists. That's the, the most effective operations manuals are ones that are comprised of the checklists that the employees need to get their jobs done. And a lot of business owners will would rather be the hero to, that swoops in with their cape fluttering behind them to fix whatever issue it is than sit down and do the mundane work of going, hey, we just had to fix this problem. What do I need to document and who do I need to train so that the next time this happens, I don't have to get involved? So let me challenge you. On, if, if you find that you're that person who's always putting out the fires, then I would challenge you to say – you should not be the chief firefighter, but maybe you should be the fire chief in your organization. There's a big distinction between the two. If you think about the firefighter, you know, he's the guy on the front line holding the hose, putting the fire out. If you think about the chief, he's the one back at the engine who's telling the firefighters what to do and where to go to fight the fire to put it out in the best way possible. And if that's you, that's great. If you're, in, if you're actively involved, maybe you're standing back going, here's the problem. And here's what I'd like you to do to fix it. Or here's the issue that we're facing we've never faced before. I would like you to handle this and document it, and here are some suggestions for doing that. Or this customer's had an issue. Uh, You've never had to solve this kind of issue before. I'm going to go with you. You're going to watch me solve it, and I'm going to train you on this. That's what the fire chief does. The firefighter is the person who just has to go from fire to fire to fire to fire to fire. And I think that's what a lot of executives are. So understanding the difference in the role of an operations manual, the role of good procedures, and, and dealing with that is is a really good thing for business owners who who have this misconception that what they're supposed to be doing is just coming in and responding, 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 responding from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock. That's, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. If you think that's what you're supposed to be doing as a business owner, you're wrong. And I'm just going to... I just tell you, you're wrong. You need to get your head around what your role should be, which gets us to, to one of the big things I want to talk about. When, we, when you're talking about a time management issue inside a company where a business owner says, I need help with time management. My team needs help with time management. One of the things that usually is going on is that the business owner needs a much better idea of what their role in the organization is and what everybody else's role in the organization is. And this comes straight out of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. When I read that book for the first time, maybe 20 years ago, if it's that old, I mean, I read it almost as soon as it came out. And I, I read it and re- I haven't read it probably for 10 years, but in the, in the first, you know, the first three or four years, I probably read that book five times. And one of the things that really stood out to me was this idea that when you're getting ready to plan your week, so, so to recap, one of the things Covey 
one one of the things that was in that book that was really really in, uh, instrumental in helping me manage my time was this weekly schedule, right? And technology has made this so much easier if, if you use it effectively and don't let it get in the way. But this idea of I'm going to look at my week as a whole before the week starts. And I'm going to think about what are the things that I need to do during this week to really be effective. So seven habits of highly effective people. If I want to be an effective person, what are the things I need to do over this next week? Not what are the things I need to think about. Not what are the things I need to plan. Not what are the things I need to contemplate or envision. It's, you know, it all comes down to execution. If you can't execute, it doesn't matter. So what are the things I need to do this next week to be effective? And one of the coolest things about Covey's template, he, and he, he had like – there's probably Excel templates out there that you can find. I remember downloading one early in the day and PDF documents you can download. But it's, a, it's an actual page, and it's formatted with a column for each week. And then down the left-hand side, he would have you list all of your relationships or all of the roles that you play in your life. And then it was your responsibility to come up with what are the things that I'm going to do for these roles. So my, my role, so I have a role as a, as a business owner, and I have a role as a husband, and I have a role as a father, and I have a role as a son, and I have a role as a friend. I have a role as a nonprofit board member. Okay, so I have all these roles in my life. These, these are the things that I am. These are the ways that I am being. During, you know, This comes down to who I am. Not what I'm trying to accomplish, but who I am. Okay, so these, this is who I am. These are the roles that I have. Now, what do I need to do to be the person that I am? Or, or the, the, the ultimate question, what do I need to do this week to become the person I want to be at the end of the week? Like, so... At the end of the week, I want to be a really effective husband, right? So what are the things I need to do this week to become an effective husband? Well, I need to date my wife or I need to pray with my wife or I need to, I need to treat my wife to a day for herself. You know, whatever the things are, when I sit at the beginning of the week and I can go through my – we talk about task management. We did a whole show on task management. If I look at my to-do list – the things I need to do, which of those things are related to being a good husband? All right, so when am I going to do those things? So it's not enough to just say, hey, I know I need to do this. The next question is to say, when am I going to do it? Where am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? And then actually do it. So when you think about what are the roles that you have to play, all of a sudden you have a better context for deciding what it is that you should be doing and when you should be doing it and how you should be doing it. And when I say how you should be doing it, what I'm going to be talking about in this episode is time blocking, which we'll get into in a second. But when we talk to business owners who say they need help with time management, a lot of times, with respect to the business at least, they're confused about what their role is. So what is your role as the business owner? If you see your role as being that chief firefighter, then you're going to suck at time management. Like there's no way around it. If you think that your role, if you think your calling in the business is to, to trot around, always looking for the next fire to put out, 
then your time management is going to be so frustrating for you and everybody else to deal with. But it's not because you suck at time management. It's because you don't know the role that you're supposed to play in that business. So what is your role as the business owner? And it's not the same for everybody. There are some business owners that I work with, and their role, their chief role, is business development. Like what they, what their biggest role is, the thing that is most important to the company, what they do best and what they can only do as well as they do it, is to develop new business. Maybe they're working with the, the CEOs of major builders in the area to develop relationships so their company can be given an opportunity to subcontract on new developments. Maybe they are talking to... Uh, maybe they're talking to customers and closing the biggest deals. You know, they get a hit list from their salespeople of the biggest prospects in the pipeline, and what they're supposed to do is go out there and wine and dine or schmooze or answer questions or, or make them feel good about the financial stability of the company that they might be getting involved with, and that's their role as business developers. Other, other business owners that I work with, their chief role is the culture creator in the company. The role that they play is the one of management by walking around, checking on how people are doing, making sure that the values that are, that are stated in the organization are actually being lived out and things like employee performance reviews and disciplinary actions or cust- when customer problems are handled. And so they're listening to phone calls or they're sitting in on meetings and, they, and their role is to make sure that the culture of the company is continuously being driven forward. Now, I, I think that should be the, the responsibility of every business owner, but there are some companies that are large enough that the business owners have the luxury of having that be pretty much the only thing that they're responsible for doing because they've handled operators to, hand, to, to, to delegate those, the other functions of actually running the company. To. There are some business owners that I know that are very involved in operations. You know, I've got a, a group that I work with where there are three business owners, and each one is responsible for a distinct part of the business's operation. And that's their role, to make sure that my department is performing according to budget. So understanding what your role is in the company is something that you really should sit down and think about and articulate in writing and run by the people who work with you on your leadership team so they can understand what your role is. Because it's not enough for you just to know. They have to know this is your role. And this is really important if you have been in that position of being chief firefighter and you're trying to change the perception of what your role is in the company. You can't change the perception fast By just doing it, you have to actively communicate what you're trying to accomplish. Over time, given enough time, people will look at what you're doing and go, oh, it really really looks like his role's changing. But if you're trying to to change roles from being chief firefighter to being chief visionary, and you want that to happen inside of 12 months, well, you need to be telling people explicitly, hey – in the past, I've run around fighting fires all the time, and we were developing an operations manual, so I don't have to do that anymore. What I want to be doing, what my role is, what my calling is in this business is to be the chief visionary, to be preaching and teaching what this company is going to be trying to accomplish over the next 5 or 10 or 20 years, and doing that with employees first, with customers second, with vendors third, and and that's what I'm going to be spending my time on. So when you see me doing these certain things, when you see me in the conference room with a bunch of people you don't recognize, you know that that's what I'm doing. 
And you have to communicate that explicitly. So understanding roles is one thing. Articulating them is the next step. And then communicating them is the kind of the final step. Now, again, we, we talk about, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? So if it's good for the business owner to understand their role in the company, don't you also think that it's good for their direct reports and their, and their direct reports and their direct report to understand what their role is in the company? So when you talk to – let's go back to that bookkeeper. So the bookkeeper that we barged in on because the consultant wanted some reports – and we totally torpedoed them working on their administrative overhead budget that everybody agrees should be a top priority, but you've just walked in and, and totally scuttled. Does that, bit, does that bookkeeper understand what their role is in the company? Because if you can help them understand what their role is, then everybody will be on the same page about what their priorities should be, and then they can tell you, how much time they're going to need to protect those priorities, to serve those priorities, to spend time, good quality time on them and accomplish things that will drive accomplishment of the goals related to those priorities. And you, as the business owner or as the manager of that person, can come alongside them and help protect and guard that time. But if nobody knows what the role of that bookkeeper – so what you, you may perceive the role of that bookkeeper as – Hey, I want you to make sure that payroll's accurate, that the check account is reconciled, that all the vendors are paid on time, and that no customer ever goes more than 30 days late. Those are your roles. And, and they go, well, I'd really like to help out with administrative overhead budgets. And you go, well, we can talk about why you want to do that, but I really envision that being somebody else's responsibility. Now, if you... Do you, do you think that you can get as excited about these other roles that I've outlined and, and really bringing your creativity to bear on making these things function at the highest level and, and channel that energy that you were going to put into budgeting into these other things? Or is that going to be, you know, is that not going to be enjoyable for you? Like maybe, maybe you are born to do budgeting. I don't know. Let's have that conversation. And this is where we get into a key element. We, brought, we talked about this in the time and task management section, and I've blogged about this, and, and I, I hammer this home all the time when we're talking to companies about something as brass tax as time management. Because it doesn't get any more brass tax than time management, right? Well, I mean, I've tried to make it somewhat ethereal, and I've tried, to, <laughs> I've tried to get into, like, meta time management, you know, with this whole discussion about roles and how that, that will inform what you should be spending your time on. But... You know, time management is one of those things that, like, everybody knows what time management is. Hey, you're going to help me manage my day better, right? But when you really get down to it, time and task management is really, it's really only about trust and communication. It's about communication because if I'm, if you're communicating to me what you feel like my role is and I'm communicating to you what I feel like my role is and we can get an agreement on that, we've got some great communication going on. Like the, the, the essence of great communication, there are no misunderstandings, nothing is taken for granted, everybody understands what the other person is thinking, and everybody feels understood. So that, that's 
when we talk about time and task management, it should be aimed at great communication and trust. Because here's the thing about trust. When you work inside of an organization, it's never all up to you. You're going to have to rely on other people, especially if you're the owner. If you're the owner, then you've gotten used to this idea that you can only do so much. You're really going to have to depend on your people to drive the performance of the company. And trust is about if when I ask you to do something or when we agree that you're going to do something or when we agree that I'm going to do something, everybody can trust that that's going to get done. There's not going to be a loss of trust because somebody drops the ball or forgets or something falls through the cracks. So communication is really about understanding what we're trying to accomplish and what your role in that, in that is and what my role in that is. And trust is when you depend on me for certain things down to you, you depend on me for the expense report being submitted when we've agreed that it's going to be submitted. I don't let you down on that. And you know that you don't have to lose sleep at night worrying about whether you forgot an expense report because if I was supposed to get something to you by today, you know that you got it by today. So as, as philosophical as we can make this, it really just comes down to trust and communication. And business owners have a responsibility to protect the boundaries that their people need around their time in the same way that they expect the boundaries that they need around their time to be protected. You can get to that by a discussion about roles and what each person is supposed to accomplish in the organization and what they're trying to, to get done. And then when you, when you talk about roles, so if, if I say, for instance, I'm the, I'm the CEO and I'm talking to my senior leadership team and I say, you know, for a long time I've been putting out fires, <clears throat> but what I, really, what I really believe in my heart of hearts, and I've thought about this and I've, I've talked to my mentors about this and my business advisors about this, my coaches about this, and they all confirm that what I really should be spending my time on, my chief role here is to be a visionary for this company because, you know, you guys are great operators. You don't need me to run the company on a day-to-day basis. And so my role is to be the chief visionary for this company and really be thinking about what the comp- where the company is going to be going for the next 10 years because the next nine years and 355 days – I know you guys are going to knock out of the park. You've already figured that out. But what comes up on that, that 356th day, you know, year 10, day one, that's, that's what I have to spend my time figuring out. So in that role, here's what I'm going to need. So, so now we've identified the role, and we're, we're backing up and saying, what does that role require? in terms of my time and what kinds of time does it require? So I'm sitting with my senior leadership team and I say, my role is to be the chief visionary of this company. And here's a couple things that I, that here's some boundaries that I need you guys to help me protect around my time. Number one, I'm going to take two days out of every quarter and I'm going to be gone and completely out of pocket for those two days. And what I do on those two days is I, I, I read a lot of stuff that I've been collecting since my last day like this. I, I lock myself away. I go back through all of that stuff. I brainstorm some things. I might do some research. I'm going to do some writing. I'm going to be developing some plans. And then I'm going to come back from those two days. I'm going to share some of the insights that I have. And I'm, the, the purpose of those is really to inform where we're going to be going long term in this company. 
So what I need you guys to do is when you see those two days on my calendar, unless the building burns down, I, I really would prefer to have a clear mind to understand and to be reassured that everything that is supposed to be happening is happening here. So, you know, that, that, that's even emails because in an undisciplined moment, I might check email. And if you're just sending me an FYI email, like, oh, there's been this major negative development and it doesn't require your immediate attention, but I just wanted you to know about it before you got back. Hey, don't send that email, right? Because I'm going to read that email sitting, sitting in my hotel room or sitting in, in the cabin where I'm trying to get away from everything. And that's going to take my attention away from what I'm supposed to be accomplishing. So what I'm really asking for is, you know, complete radio silence during those two days. Don't ask me for anything. Don't call me. Don't text me. Any of that stuff. And that's a boundary that I really need you guys to help protect. And then the, here's the other thing that I need from you guys. Is I ju- and I just said it. You know, when I come back from those meetings, I need all of us to get back together and spend maybe three or four hours together. And that's a very, very important meeting. I know we have weekly manager meetings, and I know that it's not uncommon for one or two of us to be gone because we have an important customer meeting or, or we have an employee who's out. But what I'm asking you is when I go away for these two-day sabbaticals and I come back and we schedule a meeting for us all to be around the table, that really is a huge priority. And it doesn't really matter if your entire department is out that day. I need you in this room. It's more important that you're in this room than that any work is getting done during that day. So that's a boundary that I would like to, to sit out there and protect. So what am I doing? I'm communicating what those needs are. Now, where does the trust come in? Well, I've told them what I expect. Do my actions actually back that up? So when I, do, when I go off-site, am I calling back in and saying, hey, how's this going? How's that going? Because what they were expecting was complete radio silence. And, and what I'm doing versus what I'm saying is completely different. So now they can't – and then the next time I tell them that – I want complete radio silence. Do they really trust that that's the case, or do they go ahead and send the email because last time I was bugging them about this thing? You know, trust is I told them that this meeting when I came back was really, really, really important, but then, you know, I never scheduled it when I came back. Or I scheduled it, and when two of the six people were absent, I, I didn't make a big deal out of it. Like, apparently, it was okay for those two people to be absent. But the six months before, you know, it was such a big deal that everybody be here. So, again, trust and communication is such a huge part of what you're trying to build in your team. And everything that you do around time and task management affects that, whether you realize it or not. So what are the, what are the big takeaways? Well, I think the biggest one is that if you don't recognize that every single person in your organization needs some boundaries around their time, that they absolutely have to be in control of some part, some aspect of their day, and you, even as the business owner, you should not be able to come in and touch that, then you're going to be frustrated, and rightfully so, when nobody respects the boundaries that you want to put around your time. But if you will set the example by continuously respecting the boundaries that you have allowed people to put around different parts of their day, then I think you'll be surprised that they actually respect the boundaries that you're trying to put around your part of the day. The other, take, the other big takeaway is that time and task management 
to be really effective, to, to be spending your time in the right place, and to be setting the boundaries around the, the correct big rocks, you really need to be cognizant of the role that you're supposed to be playing in the organization. And everybody else has to know what that role is. Because if you don't understand the role, you're going to be spending your time in the wrong places. And the last thing is that all of this, everything that we've been talking about, is really about trust and communication. Because if you, if you can't do these things, then it's one more lack of effective communication inside your company. If you do manage time well as a group, then you're, you're always thinking ahead of the game. You're, commu- you're overly communicative about what your needs for time are and what your team's needs for time are. And as you stay committed to the, those promises that you've made, then you start to build integrity and trust. And one of the things that I'll leave you with is the really, really key thing about being effective at time management is keeping the commitments that you make to yourself. Because we would never think of standing up our biggest customer for a meeting, right? But we'll take a strategic planning session that we were supposed to have with ourselves, and we will push it off and push it off and push it off and fail to keep that commitment and cancel that appointment and reschedule and reschedule forever, right? And those things are important to you. When you say that I need to spend time, I need to take time out of my schedule to spend on this thing, and then you don't do it, what you're telling yourself is it's not important enough, I'm not important enough to me, the things that I think I need to spend time on are not important enough for me to really spend time on. And that's an integrity with yourself issue. You have to keep your commitments to yourself. So that's all I've got for this episode. I really hope it was helpful. Go to iTunes, leave a review if you like what you're hearing. The reviews help us get ratings. The ratings help us reach more people, and that's ultimately what I want to do. I think these these ideas are important, and I hope you can help me spread them.